1: I'm Luke Orsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size podcast, Batias Wadner and Will Lomas. On Sunday, the Titans played probably their most complete game of the season and defeated their division rival Houston Texans 24-13. to Now, a lot of the Titans games recently... At the end of, we're like, you know, yeah, they won, but they looked ugly against the Colts, and they had to go to overtime and to beat the Browns. And, you know, they picked off Joe Flacco twice, but they couldn't do anything with the turnovers. This was a game where, aside from a blown coverage on defense that allowed Braxton Miller to get a 57-yard catch and and an Dory Jackson fumble very early in the game, the Titans played mistake-free football. They stuck to their game plan. They ran the football extremely effectively. And their defense got a turnover in the end to seal the game in addition to four sacks. So I, I all those stats and numbers to say, I think the Titans played their most complete game of the season on Sunday, and there's really not that much to complain about. They took care of an inferior opponent, and they didn't do so in a way that made you scared about anything.
2: Yeah, and uh, I think most importantly, uh, we didn't lose. So yep. that's good. We got the 8-4, which is uh, a really good spot to be in, uh, considering the AFC playoff uh, standings right now. Uh, and we're still in first place in the AFC South. So I don't know what else Titan fans could want. I know, obviously, um, we, w- we would like uh, a more, uh, I don't know, I guess, a better start, for to, per se, uh, because we really haven't been starting games very well. Um, but we got it together uh, over the last uh, three quarters. Uh, and we came out with a W and I thought this was Mario's possibly his best game of the season. Uh, he looked really comfortable, um, which, which is a good sign, uh, after he, after a couple bad weeks, uh, a pretty rough stretch. So, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about the team. Uh, even though I do think this next week is going to be a bit of a tough game, uh, at Arizona. Uh, but really important to get, uh, to get these two, uh, division wins in a row. And, uh, I, and, uh, yeah, no, I, I feel I feel good about the team going forward.
3: Yeah, it was good. Um, Henry and Murray split carries, which was nice to see. They gave it to Henry when they were supposed to. Murray looked like he was capable again. Uh, Mariota had a good game. Walker looks like he's in Pro Bowl form. He looks great. Um, most importantly, the defense. Uh, you know, we talked mm-hmm. about earlier, Outside of one play where they got gashed really controlled the game well. Hopkins made great catches on the sideline to convert third downs, but that's what he does. Only touchdown they allowed um, was that kind of trapping, diving catch that that I think Anderson had. Uh, Yeah, Anderson had. And it was, you know, half an inch either way from hitting the ground or getting tipped. So you can't be too mad at that. It was just a really good pass from Savage who had not a bad game. So – Yeah, all all in all, I don't know a time when I've seen them be this effective. You'd like to see them score a little bit more, especially, you know, in in the middle part of the game where they, you know, they scored 10 in the second, but after that it kind of dipped a little bit. But uh, no, I mean, it's hard to complain about winning by double digits against.
2: Tom Savage played like Tom Brady at times. So um, the fact that we held him to 13 points is actually pretty good. The defense has been has been on fire recently and it's good to see.
1: Yeah. So back when Jeff Fisher was the coach of this team and back when he was winning a lot of games with this team, uh, his two kind of defining principles of his coaching philosophy came down to win at home and win in the division. And that's really what the Titans goal was heading into this year was to reestablish the home field advantage of Nissan stadium and to unlike last season, take care of business inside of the division. And they have absolutely done that this year. Only one loss at home. And that was to the high powered offense of the Oakland Raiders. And they've only lost one game in the division. And that was in the colossal massacre that occurred at um, NRG stadium in Houston and back in like week three or four. So aside from a couple of losses, which are understandable, I mean, Deshaun Watson was on fire when the Titans faced that offense, the Titans are taking care of business. They're winning at home. They're winning in their division. They're even winning on the road, and that is a formula to win your division and go to the playoffs and be a successful football team.
2: Yeah, um, I think Titans fans need a, need a little refresher uh, because just two seasons ago, uh, Marcus Mariota was throwing the ball to Doriel Green-Beckham um and uh we were losing games to the cleveland browns uh we were losing close games to the colts and jaguars who were not good um and we were just losing a lot of these games uh that now we're winning and we're doing so in in i mean it's not blowout fashion but we're still beating them anyway uh, and we're doing it we're doing it pretty consistently which is exactly what you want from this team Listen, we're not the Patriots yet. We're in the in the second year of almost a complete rebuild, um, with a new coaching staff, uh, with a new GM, new front office people. So uh, we're on the right track right now. We won we went nine and seven last year, and we're on pace to to best that this year. Um, and there's something that needs to be said about that because that's not easy to do in the NFL. This is a game where. The football is a game where year to year, uh, these teams don't have much consistency outside of maybe outside of like the Patriots and the Steelers, just because they've created this this amazing culture of football. Um, and honestly, it looks like the Titans uh, are have been able to do that, and they've been able to do that while not, not getting. Ah, uh, the best performance from their star quarterback. so i'm 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 feeling good about the the franchise in general, uh, and I think Titans fans need need to slow their role a little bit.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're all Titans fans. So you know we're not gonna claim to be completely impartial and you know pretend like we don't care about the games. We do care about the games. It, so much so that I can remember often. Coming back on a Sunday night, making my drive back home, and just the whole time trying to find one or two positives from another loss. It's I have spent the last two years primarily, but you know, it, I guess the last three years justifying losses that you know good teams weren't losing. You know, good teams are finding ways to win ugly, and you know, and it, as much as I want to win pretty, I was tired. To losing, losing ugly and losing pretty, all all that stuff is not for me. I'll win ugly. I'll win clean. I'll win, however. But Titans fans are finding the bad in a good situation where we've been used to doing the opposite. So take a minute and just realize we're eight and four, twice as many wins as losses. There's four games left in the season, and we're already guaranteed that we won't have a losing season. You know, so. It's been a long time since we've had that kind of record at this point in the season. So it, it's good to be on top. It, it, enjoy this moment. Don't wish it was going better. Just enjoy where we are now. And be happy that we're a young team with a wide open window to continue to get better. We're not at the end of our rope like some teams. So just sit back and enjoy and be happy for what's coming.
2: Yeah, listen. We, we've we gotten blown out two times. But we've been in 10 of 12 games and we really should have won that one against the dolphins because Matt Castle was our quarterback. So, I think we're I think we're doing just fine.
1: I was going to say that uh in the next couple of days I'm going to write uh, an article talking about where the Titans were 3 years ago at this point. But as a sneak preview, uh, 3 years ago uh, to the day, the Titans were coming off a loss to the Houston Texans by a score of like mm-hmm. 44 to 17. And they were about to uh, face the New York Giants at home, a game that they would ultimately be blown out in. Um, and they fell in those two games to like two and thirteen on the season. The fact that the Titans are eight and four have the division lead, played probably their best football of the year on Sunday, or pretty darn close to it. Marcus Mariota seemed to not be in his slump anymore. He didn't make any risky decisions or even have any near interceptions. So. I, there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Titans fan, and this is a moment that for the past eight years, Titans fans have longed for, have longed for the day when the team finally has a franchise quarterback and finally have a head, has a head coach that knows what he's doing and finally can play cohesively as a team and win football games. And for whatever reason, they have such a bitter attitude towards it. It's so confusing to me.
2: Yeah, we, we, we might have the most negative fan base I mean I don't I don't want to ruffle any feathers but we really are a pessimistic bunch <laughs> like we're 8 and 4 uh and we should be used to like these double digit loss seasons uh that we've experienced so often over the past decade and and even further than that uh in the mid 2000s when on those Jeff Fisher teams that were just atrocious uh so I don't know I'm enjoying this uh, it, it hasn't been easy, just because these games are close, uh, and I get really nervous. But I mean, we're pulling them out, and uh, that's all I could really ask for.
3: Another thing that's different about this team that you know fans haven't had in a long time is this team cares. You know, when they're doing poorly, the team gets mad. You know, guys like Taylor Lewan and Delaney Walker and Brian Arakpo. You know, they're on the sideline. Very, I mean, when you're at games, you can see them very clearly upset. You know, not at the other team, but at themselves because they know they can do better. And Walker, when the defense is out there, he's walking up and down the sidelines. And uh, Taylor Lawan is the last guy off the field because he's always yelling at somebody. And, you know, I've been around people that say that's, you know, childish from Lawan. No, it's just we haven't seen somebody that actually cares if we're winning or losing in a long time. You know, Taylor Lawan is the first guy to say that the Titans are – you know, not going to be pushed around anymore. You know, this is his team now. You know, this is their team. It's not a group of people who are just collecting a paycheck because they couldn't find the offers they were wanting in free agency or guys who wish they weren't drafted there. This is guys who believe that Tennessee can win and leaders like – like we said, like Marcus Mariota, like Walker, like I mean, all those guys that you know we're taking for granted a little bit now, we're gonna miss them when they're not there anymore. Especially you know, and I've gone back to him over and over. Delaney Walker is you know very vocal, and we have not had that in a long time. You know, talking about how the Titans are going to be good and going to continue to get better, and they're gonna make national media talk about them, and that's you know a belief that we haven't had in a long time, and he's right. So, you know, enjoy the players you had now. Enjoy the moment you're in and be excited to be winning games instead of losing.
2: Yeah, on the on the last two drives of this Texans game, uh, we kind of saw a little some remnants of the old Titans and we saw a glimpse to the new Titans. Uh, That fourth and 19 that they converted, that was the most Titans thing I've ever seen in my life uh, because that used to happen so often. I thought Savage was about to run for
1: the first down for a second.
2: He might he might have gotten it, too. I don't know. But he made a great throw anyway. But, I mean, I've seen that just happen, those long conversions so many times as a Titans fan. But, I mean, we would not—in the past, we would not get that play from LaShawn Sims. A fantastic interception uh, to almost seal the game. And then on the next drive, you get a Derrick Henry 75-yard touchdown— uh, which? When's the last time we closed out a game like that? That's just that's that's just awesome. You you didn't used to see that in past seasons, and in fact, you used to see it on the other side. Uh, for instance, Donald Brown, eighty-yard touchdown against us when we, all we needed was one stop. So, uh, it, it's good to be on the other side of those of those outcomes.
1: Yeah. Um. So, uh, Will, you had an interesting Twitter exchange with uh, Connor Rogers, and I don't know if we've ever called him out by name on this podcast. He's the co-host of the Stick to Football podcast, which is produced by Bleacher Report. We're big fans of one half of that podcast. I think all three of us really like Matt Miller for the most part. But Connor Rogers uh, has been talking about uh, how bad a, a Dory Jackson is and how he really doesn't do anything transformational, if that's a word. I don't Transformational. He doesn't do anything uh, for, for for the defense, and he absolutely does. Like, Adoree Jackson is really, really good, and it, it showed again because, uh, I mean, I don't know that at any point he was on DeAndre Hopkins, but he and Logan Ryan were able to hold DeAndre Hopkins to 80 receiving yards, and DeAndre Hopkins may be the only receiver where the Titans hold him to 80 receiving yards, and we consider it a, a good night.
2: Yeah, yeah this was well, let, let me no, talk go ahead. About, go ahead
1: about the
3: original. Okay, so this originated because um, in midseason, Bleacher Report had the podcast and they talked about you know a mock draft and they gave the Titans Isaiah Oliver. Well, they they didn't. I, I shouldn't say that. Matt Miller gave the Titans a pass rusher, which I'm all for. Then Connor Rogers said that they needed Isaiah Oliver uh, because they needed a corner because. Logan Ryan wasn't working, and I, bl- I believe his words for Adoree Jackson was, he is what we thought he was. He's an athlete. He's not really worth a first-round pick, which at the time, if you weren't watching the mm-hmm. games and you were seeing that, you know, he didn't have any interceptions, I, I can understand how you might make that incorrect assumption. But it's just, it's just not true, and it hadn't been true since about week three of the season. You know, he's progressively gotten better and better – to the point where he was going from being one of the most targeted corners to being one of the least targeted corners, so much so that I think he was targeted twice maybe in this past weekend, and the only reception he gave up was a miscommunication between him and the safety, and and Mm -hmm. it wasn't any fault of his, and he still came up and made the tackle. You know, The stats out there now, and it's pretty famous that last week he was the only corner with 10-plus pass deflections and 50 or more tackles. So – you know, I think to say he's just an athlete was incorrect and shortsighted, and didn't really give him the proper credit he was due. Now, I, I tweeted at him today, and I said that uh, I, I reposted or retweeted this um, stat that Pro Football Focus has, and it's um, they're shut down. You know, the top five cornerbacks, um, the lowest contested catch rate allowed by corners. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's third behind Tremaine Johnson and Bradley Roby, and he's past Desmond Trufant and Jimmy Smith. So to be third on any list with really quality corners, Tremaine Johnson, I believe, the highest-paid corner in the NFL on the franchise tag. Jimmy Smith is a key part of one of the best defenses in the NFL. You know, Bradley Roby is, is a very good young player. Desmond Trufant, also a really high, highly-paid guy who's well-respected. You know, to be on that list is no – it's no aberration at this point in the season. It's not like you can go from being one of the most targeted corners to uh, allowing the third lowest contested catch rate. You know, it's not It's not on a curve. It's not this week. It's the whole season. And that's a big deal for, you know, a guy who, you know, a lot of people had a lot of da- doubts about. You know, I know we, you know, I'll be the first one to say I didn't know Adori was going to be this good. I thought he would be very limited in what schemes he could jump into. And I'll admit that I was wrong. I was definitely wrong. I I thought he wasn't a fit in our defense the way we ran it and that he was going to struggle early this year. I was wrong. He's very good. So, you know, DeAndre Hopkins looked like he had a big day when you look at the yards, but he didn't have a touchdown. He was uh, – he. I guess you can say he allowed an interception. But the better phrase is probably that Tom Savage threw an interception when looking his way. So, you know, it's it's a big deal to have guys who can stop that when you're used to seeing T.Y. Hilton and Hopkins go off and having career days against you for the last three or four years. So uh, the, the big point about this isn't necessarily a slam on Connor Rogers because, it, I mean, you know, he was trying to stick by his opinion, and I think he kind of was talking and wasn't thinking, and then it kind of just slipped out. Because he, he, you know, I tweeted at him, and he, he said he looks like he's developing nicely. So, you know, maybe he saw some more games, but I, I think we need to appreciate how good our rookie corner is. And if Marshawn Lattimore what, hadn't, you know, broken the the conception that rookie corners can't have an instant impact, Adoree Jackson might have. So that's that's my two cents on the whole piece.
2: Yeah, Adore Jackson is awesome, and he's completely exceeded my my expectations so far. Uh, and the, the contested catch rates that um, it, it's important, and uh, it it kind of gets backed up uh, by Adore Jackson's uh, passes defended. Um, he's 14th in the league right now, and he's in some pretty elite elite company with a lot of really really good cornerbacks. So. So that's really good to see. Um, and he, he uh, we, we keep saying it, but he's honestly improving every week. Uh, and it's, it's just a matter of time before he gets he gets an interception. He's been really close. Uh, it, it's coming at some point, just like we saw with Kevin Byard. Uh, he didn't have any interceptions his rookie season, and then they came out of the woodwork uh, in his second year. So I could see that coming for a Dory. And as for limiting DeAndre Hopkins, I thought it was a collective. A, a true collective effort because Logan Ryan was awesome on him um, before before he uh, got a concussion. Uh, Ad- I don't think Adoree was on him all that much, but uh, he, he played well whenever he was on him. And then LaShawn Sims was on him for a lot of the second half. And DeAndre Hopkins didn't really do a lot. Uh, and then Sims capped it off with that beautiful interception at the end that was intended for Hopkins. So a really good job by, by all three of the Titans cornerbacks to limit pretty much the only Texans receiver that they had. So,
1: um, Someone that has really come on for the Titans in the last couple of games is uh, defensive tackle Daquan Jones. Unfortunately for defensive tackle Daquan Jones, he like tore his triceps or something and uh, will now miss the remainder yeah. of his uh, uh, of his fourth season in the league and the remainder of his rookie contract. So uh, if we see, the next time we see Daquan Jones play a football game, he will be on a new contract. Um, I won't talk right now about whether or not we think the Titans should re-sign him. We'll save that for later in the off-season. Uh, but I do want to talk about the the one the impact that his losing him will have on the defensive line and what it means for guys like David King, Austin Johnson, Carl Klug. And also, uh, the guy the Titans signed to replace his roster spot, tight end Luke Stalker. Do you guys think he'll have any sort of impact?
2: Uh yeah. Uh, DaQuan Jones is is a pretty big blow because he had he had really improved this season. I thought he was one of our best defensive players this season up until his point, uh, and he was really coming coming on over the last couple of games. I'm not sure how many sacks he had, but he had a couple, um, and he was really establishing himself as as a as a pretty dominant force on our defensive line. So this is going to be a pretty, pretty tough ask of our, of our other defensive lineman to make up for his loss. Uh, Austin Johnson has been playing a good amount and he's been playing well. So, but he'll probably get, uh, some, bu- a bump in snaps at least. And I think he'll do fine. Uh, If not at Daquan Jones level uh, or close to it, at least Uh, we're going to we're going to need to see uh, some more from David King. And uh, I hate to say it, but uh, I think Kevin Dodd's going to have to step up a little bit here. Uh, And honestly, it might be in his more natural position because he is not a three, four outside linebacker Uh, and playing him uh, on the line, uh, sort of what Daquan Jones was playing. Uh, Maybe Kevin Dodd can make an impact that would really it would really, really help the defense and just ease our minds a little bit about that draft pick. Not a not hopeful, though, of course.
3: Yeah, one thing I would really like to see them do, which I haven't seen talked about a lot, is bring up Antoine Woods. Um, Mm, Yeah, Titans are still carrying three quarterbacks, which is insane to me when one of them is Brandon and the other is Matt Castle. Um, You know. That they, I don't think they're carrying the extra wide receiver like they have been in the past, and I think there's a good chance that either Jostin Powler or Philip Supernall finds themselves on the wrong end of this roster now that Stalker's here, because Stalker was praised for his athleticism and his ability to play in the backfield as a fullback and also be a true inline blocking tight end that's you know that's stepping directly on the toes of Supernaw and all fowler and this isn't a you know a one-year band-aid they signed him to a two-year deal so he's on the team next year so stalker is going to be a part of this team going forward but i okay david king looks good when they played him i mean he looks he looks like carl klug he's a slightly bigger carl klug is what he is. So. My issue is I think the reason they're not playing him is because he's got a condition, a conditional uh, trade, which means that there's a limit on his snaps or his productivity or his starts or something to where if he's active, it's tolling against them for some reason. So if he's playing well, I'm not sure that they don't want to try to sneak him onto the team next year pick and if you bring up Antoine Woods your defensive tackles can be Antoine Wood or your nose tackles can be you know Antoine Woods and Sylvester William and you can have Austin Johnson uh, play some more three or more uh, three technique in the four man front and some uh, defensive end in the uh, three man front so I think that's a way to kind of wiggle around that if they really don't want uh, to you know to accrue that conditional draft uh, condition which I, I don't know what it is, but it may be three starts, you know, whatever. But I think they need another body in there. Cause as much as we've talked about Kevin Dodd and kind of, you know, talked about how he's a better four or three fit. I do not trust him, you know, <laughs> based off anything I've seen this year, last year or in the preseason. So I, I don't know what they're going to do there, but I think that's going to be an issue, especially against a team like the Jaguars that wants to run with a fullback all the
2: time. Yeah. Um, uh... And about Stalker, I think uh, Jolson Fowler is. Well, I don't know if he's going to get cut, but he. I mean, he's been a healthy scratch over the past couple of weeks. I'm pretty sure, and um, so I, I'm guessing Stalker's going to take his place. Although we really haven't used Fowler much at all this entire season, so. But I'm sure he'll play in some of those um, some of those formations where a tight end uh, lines up as the fullback, or even John, who could line up there. We've seen that before this season, so I think Fowler is definitely the odd man out. I'm
1: trying to find um, what exactly the condition was for the seventh round pick that the Titans gave up for David King, and I, I'm coming up completely blank, finding nothing.
3: Find it it's, it seemed really weird that I couldn't find it, which generally means we're here in two weeks that the condition wasn't met, so the Titans have gotten their pick back for defensive lineman David right. King, especially when he's been inactive. When you know. Like I said, I love Carl Klug, but he was not performing well early in the year and they kept Klug active. So, you know, it seemed like there was a reason why they wanted him on the bench. But I I don't know. We'll we'll see at the end of the year, and if we don't hear anything about it, I'm wrong and they don't like King as much as I think. But if we do hear something about it, I would expect King to be on the roster next year, especially if they can't, you know, come to a deal with Jones for whatever reason.
2: Kevin Dodd made a tackle last week. It's a stat. I saw it.
3: I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 was it a combo tackle with him
1: and Avery Williamson?
2: I think it's solo, man. He played ten snaps, and two on special teams.
1: Man, I have no idea Huge. what the condition is. I would assume it's not stat-based, and that it's based on snaps played, starts, things like that. I don't know.
2: It's probably it's probably activations over Kevin Dodd. <laughs> and he hasn't he's, met it he's, he's close yeah i know
1: um so uh, i know uh, as we get towards the uh the off season especially in years past we really want to start talking about the draft and free agency and getting our ahead of ourselves and, and i don't want to do that because the titans are eight and four and and they're playing good football but I do want to talk for just a second before we get into a couple more specifics from the uh, the Titans-Texans game. What at this point do you see as the number one need the Titans need to address this offseason? Last year, it was a toss-up between receiver and cornerback. The cornerback probably would have taken the cake. Um, what do you think it is? I-, I think we're all three probably going to be in agreement that, that it needs to be an edge pass rusher. Uh, but... Maybe not.
2: Uh, yeah, I definitely think a pass rusher is the the number one need, uh, as we've seen from some of our, our sack numbers before, uh, that massive massive game against the Colts where we got eight sacks. But uh, we definitely do need a pass rusher, whether it's edge or whether it's um, a Calais Campbell type. Well, you can't really get a Calais Campbell type of player. In the draft, they, they don't come around that often. Uh, but a player that could play in a 3-4... Similar to Campbell, um, play um, at, at defensive end opposite Jarrell Casey, uh, who can rush the passer. That would be huge for, for this defense uh, if we do stay in a 3-4, which is looking likely. Uh, as much as I love Daquan Jones, um, I, I just really think our defense could take the next step if we do get a player of that caliber um, at that position. And Daquan Jones could play nose tackle um also so i definitely think we need a player on the defensive line who can who can affect games um through pass rushing
3: yeah um real quick before we get too far off there's a guy named marcus davenport uh from uh san antonio utsa um he's a smaller <laughs> guy who has been super productive and he's six seven 255 pounds And that's probably a little light for me. He's probably a little bit heavier. That's a guy who looks a lot like Calais Campbell. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. that height and has, uh, let's see, 15 sacks in his last two years and 27 Mm -hmm. half tackles for loss. So that's a name to remember, especially for a guy like John Robinson who drafted Ali Marpet when he was with – out of Hobart when he was with Tampa Bay. So anyway – um, yeah, uh, pass rusher is definitely the biggest need. It doesn't matter if it's a nose tackle, three technique, you know, linebacker who's you know an inside linebacker who's athletic, or the the guy I think they should go after is a guy who's athletic who plays on the edge who has a speed element, which I don't think they have. Um, if you're if you're Dick LeBeau and if you're staying around, which I, I I assume he is, I've not heard any different and I've not seen it rumored or anything. That, you know, for as weird as the start of the season was for him, I think he's going to be the defensive coordinator next year unless something crazy changes. But uh, he wants to drop his edge rushers out in coverage. We saw it with uh, Morgan on a wide – you know, we saw it – we see it at the worst times every week on third and 11. The guy gets, you know, an easy completion over a rack post head. And I love a rack post and Morgan. I think they're really good players, but they're not fit for that role. And getting another good pass rusher who can play, who's athletic enough to drop and cover, will let you play like a true 3-4 if you want that look, which apparently LeBeau does. So that, that seems to be kind of the biggest need and the best fit for where the Titans are right now.
1: So let, let's go back into talking about some specifics about the game. Uh, we, we talked about the Titans getting four sacks uh, against an inferior offensive line, but for really the first time this season, the Titans were able to consistently rely upon their running game to get things done. Uh, the running game totaled nearly 200 yards. They got to 198 thanks to Derrick Henry's 75-yard run at the end there. But Demarco Murray was consistently getting, you know, five, six, seven yard gains. Same for Derrick Henry, who for the first time this year consistently ran with a physical presence, as opposed to just hitting the line of scrimmage and trying to bounce it outside and getting pushed out of bounds by a defensive back. So, do you think this is maybe a sign of things to come for the Titans, or just a fluke against a team that's not very good? Because I think one thing that you can really take away that's that's uh, quantifiable is the fact that DeMarco Murray looks like he had some life breathed into him.
2: Yeah, uh, he definitely did. Um, whether he was extra motivated because Derrick Henry had been out playing him, we'll never know. Uh, but it looked like he he was the, the DeMarco of old, which was really good to see. Uh, as for the offensive line, I guess a caveat would be that the Texans are pretty ravaged um, in terms of injuries. Um Especially on their defensive line. um, but this was a dominant performance by the by the Titans O line. Uh, I mean, team rushing seven point nine yards a carry. Uh, and Marcus Mariota was under pressure on just six dropbacks um, out of twenty three, which is really good um and you saw you saw Mariota be probably the most comfortable he's been this entire season um and a lot of that was due to the offensive line giving him time to to make his reads and go through his progression. so i was really impressed by the offensive line this this was probably their best performance of the season uh i hope it's a sign of things to come um the, I don't know the next the next biggest test I guess would be the Jacksonville Jaguars in week 17 Although the Cardinals do have some players on their defense that could make life a little A little tougher the Oh, yeah, they're, you're right the Rams. Yes, I forgot you know. about them Oof, Man Aaron, Aaron Donald, Donald Robert That's Quinn
1: nice Alec Ogletree Tremaine Johnson mark Barron yeah, take take player. it
2: back. I take it back. So <laughs> they're gonna get a a serious test pretty pretty uh pretty quickly. So we'll see if it uh, if it's uh, if this was a fluke performance uh, due to the Texans being pretty beat up, or if this was uh, a sign of things to come. I ho- I hope it was because uh, this is the way that the Titans will will win games. It's running the ball and being efficient through the passing game, uh, and a lot of that rests on the offensive lines play.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, we've talked a lot about the running game. I think there's no more running back in the NFL who I know less about than DeMarco Murray. Uh, You know, I would have sworn that this week would have been another bad week and then it was going to be the week where Henry took over. And then he goes out and has probably his most consistently good week of the year. You know, even against the Seahawks, the whole first half, it looked like he couldn't run the ball. But that that wasn't the case this week. I mean, he looked like a different running back. It looked like he – you know, was aggressive in the hole, lowering his shoulder running, which is what we saw last year. And if you listen to Mike Keith, he swears up and down that Murray's been hurt all season and that he's got a hamstring and a shoulder that's bothering him. And he had a hand hand stuff in the preseason, and that there's probably other stuff that we don't know. Which means that there's probably other stuff that we don't know, and there's some legitimate value to that because Mike Keith has privy to a lot of information that we're not. So. You know he's probably playing banged up, and that's an excuse for him. Um, it doesn't excuse why he's not hitting the holes correctly and why he's misreading blocks sometimes. But um, it does—it does kind of tell you why he might be looking for that big hit instead of trying to lower his shoulder and get four, um, which is what he did well last year. Like I said, so I, I don't know. Maybe it's not time to completely write off Demarco Murray because he looked good this week. And Henry, of course, looked really good. Um, I want to talk about the offensive line and specifically what Mariota does to help the offensive line. In this last game, which this is not an aberration, he does it all the time, he got Clowney to jump off three times. It, it is hard to get guys to jump off one time. He's done. He does it every week, it seems like. He must lead the NFL in drawing off sides. I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks I've seen ever do it. And the only other guy who's closer is Aaron Rodgers. And I think that sticks out in my head more because he hits big, deep plays when that happens. And the Titans Mm -hmm. don't have a a, uh, Nelson yet. They don't have a Jordan, you know, they don't have a guy who can go down and make that play yet. And Corey Davis or Taewon Taylor may turn into that guy, but that's for later. Clowney had more or equal. offsides penalties as he had tackles in the game so that speaks to how well the offensive line controlled the Texans best defensive player quote-unquote and um, how well Mariota does at changing up his cadence so guys can't run full speed and tee off so you know credit the offensive line of the run game it was a really good game and I I don't know how you can look at the stats and watch the game and think, you know, they should have done anything differently, especially because one of the sacks that Mariota's listed with was a slide in the backfield that he had so that the clock would keep running and try instead of trying yeah. to throw the ball. So really it was one sack. And even then it was more half a scrimmage. So uh, kudos to an offensive line who has not played consistently yet this year, but who looks to be rounded into form.
2: Also about Mariota um he is killing it as a runner like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he is a serious weapon Five touchdowns uh, on this, this offense yeah it's crazy he might finish with like seven or eight rushing touchdowns when's the last time a, a running quarterback did that maybe like russell wilson a couple years ago it's awesome
1: yep absolutely um so we, we were talking a little bit about uh, or before we recorded about how good a football player Delaney Walker is and that this team keeps trying to bring in receivers. Last year it was Tajay Sharp and Rashard Matthews. This year it was Corey Davis, Taiwan Taylor, and Eric Decker. Yet, the Titans' number one receiving option remains their 33-year-old tight end because he is so good that he is still playing better than Corey Davis, the fifth overall pick of the draft, and Eric Decker, a guy who had several thousand-yard seasons with Peyton Manning. You know, I love Travis Kelsey and I love Rob Gronkowski, but it would honestly be a toss-up for me, and I know I'm a little biased because I watch Delaney play every week, but Delaney Walker is just such a good football player. I'm not sure I wouldn't take him maybe not over those other two elite tight ends that we have, but certainly in in the same conversation, And, and it would be a tough decision if I had to pick between those three players.
2: Yeah. I'd go so far as to say Delaney has been the best tight end in football this season. Uh, and I don't even think it's a hot take. And he's doing it at 33 years old. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and ever since coming into Tennessee, he has just been our one of our best players every single year. Uh, and he's, he's just Mr. Consistent. Uh, and there's just nothing more you can ask for. Um, from a tight end, just from any any free agent that you pick up off the street or any player that you draft or is even on your team. So uh, I love him. He is the best. Uh, And he's been doing all of this with uh, some nagging injuries. He seems to get injured every week, and then he just comes back the next week, uh, and he dominates. And he's still the focal point of this passing offense, and it's because he's just that could, uh, and because no one, no one on the receiving group is really stepping up, uh, especially with Rashard injured.
3: Yeah. I mean, again, this is a very pro Delaney Walker show. So I'm, I'm definitely biased, but first of all, I think it's not even close. It's the best, uh, free agent acquisition. The Titans have had at least in the last decade. Um, (laughs) In terms of what he's done for the team and how productive he's been and how much of a you know, how reliable he's been. I'm not sure there's been a more reliably dominant, I would say, uh, tight end in the NFL over the last four years. Since Walker's gotten to Tennessee, Gronkowski's gotten hurt. Kelsey's had his emergence, but he, it's not like he's always been this good. Uh, you know, Greg Olson looked like he was going to be that guy and then he got hurt this year. Week in and week out, Walker is almost good. You know, guaranteed to get you sixty yards and four catches. You know, he is mm-hmm. consistently in the right places, consistently helping drive stay, You know, sustain uh, on the last drive. You know, I think it was the uh, it was the one where he caught the touchdown pass. Uh, he also had a play when it was third and long to get all but one of those yards back so that the Titans felt comfortable going for it on fourth down and getting the fourth down, which turned it from a possibly three-point drive into a seven-point drive, and that ended up being the difference in the game. You know, the things he does, that they, they don't get the credit they deserve because it's usually, you know – Mariota and Walker will drive down to the one yard line and then they put DeMarco Murray at fullback and hand it to him or run a jet sweep with Walker and you think, ah, oh, that's cute, and he'll get in, or they give it to Henry or Mariota boots, you know, it's something like that, but he is consistently moving the chains and he's consistently a big play threat. It, he deserves all the credit you can give him. If he doesn't make it to the Pro Bowl this year with Greg Olson hurt and guy, you know, guys not as productive as he is, it's a mistake.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. On that um on that touchdown drive, I think he had three catches, uh three big catches, and he I think he he might have been the only one that actually caught a caught a pass on that drive. No, I think Derek Henry caught a pass also. I'm not sure. But regardless, the Walker is awesome. Um and yeah, I'm just so glad to have him as a Titan. Mm-hmm.
1: Um so as we kind of start to wrap up the episode, I don't have a, a, a game for us to play. We've played contenders, pretenders, we've played uh, <laughs> cut or keep. Um, so instead we'll just uh, look ahead and it's something you're not really supposed to do as an NFL team, but we're going to look ahead because the Titans have um, four games left in the regular season. They travel to Arizona and then to, uh, to uh, uh, San Francisco to play the Cardinals and the 49ers back-to-back uh, w- East or West Coast games. And then they come back to Nashville to finish out the season for two games against the really good uh, Rams team and uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So looking ahead, what I see are two uh, – the Cardinals are very average. The, the, um, the 49ers are not good. And then I see the Rams, who are a very good team, and the Jaguars are also a very good football team. We were talking about this a little bit before the show, so I'm going to ask it again just to kind of get it on the record. Do you think it's a possibility that the Titans could win out and and be 12-4? and And if you don't think it's a possibility that they can win out, what is the scenario that you see? to to get them to win the division without winning out. Because if they win out, the division is theirs no matter what happens.
2: Yeah. um, They could win out. Of course they could. I mean – They've won, uh, what, six out of their last seven or something like that? So, I mean, they're pretty hot right now. Uh, and the schedule, it, it's not easy, but it's not its not daunting. That Rams game is going to be a, an, an awesome game. Um, it'll definitely be a tough one. Um, I guess I'm, I'm just more pessimistic um, because I kind of think they're going to lose this week in Arizona. Arizona is really a tough place to play, and I know Blaine Gabbert is their quarterback, but their defense is still pretty good. Um, and Blaine Gabbert really hasn't been as bad as as he as many people think he is. Uh, and I could also see them losing to the Rams because the Rams have been one of the best teams in the NFL this season. Um, but the thing is, I also think the Jaguars are going to lose to the Seahawks. And then if the Titans just beat the Jaguars Week 17, we win the division. And I definitely think that's a plausible scenario. Uh, and I actually, think that's actually what's going to happen.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's that's solid thinking. I mean, the Seahawks are a tough team to play, but it's good that you bring them up because the Titans beating the Seahawks makes me think Mm -hmm. they can win with anybody when they're on. You know, the game they played against Seattle and the game they played against Jacksonville are the best they've played all year, and if they get back in that mode, which they easily could, then, you know, who can beat this team? You know, the Rams are very good, but, you know, They're they're not unbeatable. I mean, so if you've got good, you know, and I can't explain why why LeBeau's defense works. If he can, for some reason, get McVay's offense to slow down, I think that team could sputter if golf kind of regresses mid game for some reason. But I I don't really think, you know, at the end of the season, that'll matter. If you can be. It's also
2: at home, which is a big plus.
3: Yeah, that is a big plus. It. It is always tough for uh, teams from California to play outside of California in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one thing we keep talking about off the podcast is the Chiefs have to go to the Jets uh, on Christmas Eve, which is Christmas Eve week when your head's not fully there. Uh, it's ice cold in New York, and you're going from California to New York. Oh, sorry. I think we're talking. I think I mean Chargers the, Chargers Yeah, Chargers, not Chiefs. Um, and you're going from California to New York against a team that's not good enough for you to be scared of them, but good enough to steal a game from you. You know, they beat the Chiefs this weekend. That's what I was thinking. They beat the Chiefs this weekend, and they beat uh, the Jaguars earlier in the season too. So, you know, that's that's a sneaky game. It is hard for teams that are used to, for, used to playing in good weather to play in cold, windy weather, which – you know, Nissan stadium is right on the water. I mean, it, it's cold on that bridge. It's about 10 degrees colder and windier on that bridge. So, you know, it's, it's no joke to play in Nashville in December. So, you know, that could be a winnable game. I don't think they're going to win out just cause I don't trust this team to win. What is it? Six, seven in a row. You know, I, I guess mm-hmm. it's, I guess it's six, but I don't trust this team to do that just yet because I don't know if they'll be as consistent as they've been. But If you can beat Jacksonville and San Francisco, you have the tiebreaker built in and you have 10 wins. If that doesn't get you a playoff spot, then you've just had everything else in the world go against you and you've lost those other two. (laughs) So it also should be noted that Matthias is historically uh, great at jinxing the Titans. So (laughs) famous for calling the Cody Sensible interception that the Steelers had um which was my nightmare and he called that before the game yes. so he would his warning <laughs> to any titans player who's listening to this you really need to prepare because i promise you if he says he sees y'all losing this weekend y'all have got y'all got an uphill battle
2: i'm usually right honestly
3: <laughs> like anything that i think is too negative and pessimistic you're usually spot on with so <laughs> it's, it is scary upsetting
1: Next, uh, That's me. later in the week we will be back to preview the arizona cardinals matchup one of my favorite players uh, in the league patrick peterson the titans will get to face for the first time in, in a very long time uh and, and uh, to to tease when we get back for our next episode we will have a dramatic reading of the article titled breaking news matt castle <laughs> time up in titans so uh check it out yeah uh, you can go find the link on my twitter for that and um until then uh this is uh, luke orsham from Matthias Wadner and will Omas. thank you for listening to the titan sized podcast we will talk to everybody at the end of the week